Welcome to Truth and Liberty. Thank you for joining our daily live call-in broadcast where trusted leaders bring biblical insights to the issues and you can call in and get your questions answered in real time. According to the Bible, it's the truth you know that sets you free. So call in today to get answers, information, and resources to help you stand for truth and effect godly change in our nation and the world. And now here's your host for today's broadcast, Dwayne Sheriff. Hey everyone, welcome to Truth and Liberty. I'm your guest host, or actually I'm your host today, Dwayne Sheriff, and I have a very special guest with me today, uh, my beloved son, in whom I'm well <laughs> pleased. I have Jacob, Pastor Jacob Sheriff with me today, and we're gonna be talking about prayer, and he has become a powerful man of prayer, and uh, I don't know if he wants to do his own bio, but he is now the senior pastor of Victory Life Church, 10 locations over three states with a online campus that is nation and international wide uh, audience. And so he may want to share some of those things. Beautiful family. I'm just so blessed with what God's done in his life. Remember, this is a call-in show, a live call-in show. And so we want to invite you to take the number down. We're going to be talking about prayer again and how God has worked in both of our lives and developed a prayer life. And we've seen the power of prayer and the, the personal relationship side of prayer with God. And we'll discuss some of those matters. And you may wanna call in, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, the number is 719-619-2341. 719-619-2341. Let me go ahead and give you the prayer line because uh, here at AWMI, we have some of the most powerful prayer warriors, I believe, on the planet. They know how to pray. They know how to agree with you. They know how to coach you in praying and standing. And so the prayer line is 719-635-1111. 719-635-1111. And so we'll be glad to take your calls as well and agree with you in prayer in any area of your life. Let me share a couple of upcoming events and then we're gonna dive right in to the subject of prayer. We have our Women Arise 2023, uh, and that is November the 2nd through the 4th. Women Arise 2023, November the 2nd through the 4th. Our guest speakers are Carrie Pickett, Audrey Mack, and Elizabeth Muren. And these are three powerful women. I know I say this every time I host, and make this announcement, but you will not be disappointed. It'll be held right here at our Karis campus in Woodland Park, November the 2nd through the 4th. Don't wanna miss that. We also have our beloved brother, Andrew, and a truth, a, a truth conference, Gospel Truth Conference in Atlanta. The Atlanta Gospel Truth Conference 2023. That's November the 9th through the 11th. November the 9th through the 11th, and Andrew will be speaking, Andrew Walmack and Greg Fritz. Uh, you can register at awmi.net, awmi.net. You can register for both of these conferences, the Women's Arise and then the Atlanta. Atlanta, the gospel truth is headed your way. It's at the Gas South Convention Center, Gas, Gas South Convention Center, 
again, November the 9th through the 11th. Want to encourage you to visit our website, truthandliberty.net, truthandliberty.net, and you can go back and we have all of our episodes, all of our guest hosts are, are archived and you can watch them on demand. We also have a lot of other resources available at, at truthandliberty.net. And uh, one of the things is a 24-hour news feed. And this is updated every 15 minutes. And brothers and sisters, it is difficult to find news. It's difficult to find any outlet that is speaking the truth and a true news outlet. Most of our news today is propaganda. And we have to have a source. We have to have a place to go. Well, Truth and Liberty has set up a 24-hour uh, news feed. It's updated every 15 minutes, and it's from conservative uh, sources. And I promise you it'll be a blessing to you. It's been a real blessing to me. And as we come into these elections here pretty soon, you're going to need a place to go to get information. So I want to encourage you to be a part of that. Well, let's jump right into our topic today of prayer and our guest Pastor Jacob, I didn't know if he wanted to say anything else about his bio or his family. <laughs> it's kind of difficult for me to introduce him because I want to talk about all the grandkids. They're awesome. But uh, Jacob has been a blessing as the senior pastor now of Victory Life. Yeah, that's the favorite part of my bio for you is my kids. Um, yeah, that excites me. <laughs> yeah, got five kids, uh, and uh, I'm sure Papa is very pleased with them. Uh, but yeah, I am. I'm very grateful for uh, the legacy of our church that you and mom uh, labored in to build. And it's just a real delight and honor to get to build on that. Uh, yeah. All that we're doing right now is because of decades of faithfulness. Yeah. Well, we're, we're excited about what, where, and, and where you've taken it and what you're doing. A lot of times in that transition from a senior leader that had to uh, lay the foundations and build uh, it's difficult to pass that on many times. And, yeah. and a lot of times, even in family, when you pass it on, it kind of it kind of goes backwards. But you've taken the church forward. Uh, each location has grown. We're about to launch, I believe, some new locations. We're mm -hmm. in the process of, of uh, expanding. So that's exciting. I'm really pleased not only you being my son uh, in the natural, but a son of the faith. Yeah. You truly are a son of the faith. Um, each each uh, minister that that does foundational work or starts a new work, mm -hmm. they have to raise up a son in the faith, no matter yeah. what, to succeed. Yeah, uh, and to to carry it on. Yeah, and so we're very proud of seeing what you've done. Well, let's talk about prayer um, and the power of prayer, the intimacy of prayer. Uh, I know that you have developed a tremendous prayer life, mm -hmm. and even uh, brought a lot of that into the church yeah. where we're seeing the church really learn to pray. Yeah. Let me just quote a scripture here real quick. In Luke 11, uh, verse 1, the disciples saw Jesus praying, and, and they came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples to pray. So the disciples of John had to be taught to pray. Mm -hmm. The disciples of Jesus had to be taught to pray. And hey, if we're going to be true disciples of the Lord, we have to be taught to pray. So yeah. what are your thoughts just to kick us off in the in the area of prayer and, and, and what prayer really means to you? Yeah, well, this is, this is such a huge topic. Um, it, it can go many places, but, uh, you know, I appreciate that this was something that you taught us 
uh, and as your natural kids. Um, but it wasn't in a way that maybe some people think like, you know, you didn't ever make us like sit down and, Hey, we're going to have an hour of family prayer. Um, <laughs> but you, you modeled it. Yeah. And this is what I think would be most important for a subject like prayer that is absolutely critical to our discipleship is the primary purpose of prayer is not to try to get God to do what you think God should do. The primary purpose of prayer is that we be formed in relationship with him. It's about intimacy. From intimacy comes partnership. You've taught a lot on partnership in, in our prayer. But I think if we don't get that foundation, yeah. then we sometimes miss the, the role of partnership. Yeah. And so the, whatever we learn about the function of prayer, how to pray, what to pray, the why is absolutely critical. It's about our cultivating our intimacy with the Lord. And in that intimacy, we are transformed. And in that transformation, we become better partners with the Lord. And that's something that maybe I don't know how many people really understand uh, of our role as image bearing creatures is that we are God's partners, and God's will is enacted on earth as it is in heaven through partnership. And so in prayer, that's how we, we, we become vessels of God's will. But if we're not formed into his image, if we're not um, being transformed in our intimacy and relationship with the Lord, then it caps how how well we are his partners. Yeah, I'd like for you to talk about okay, how do we how do we develop a a rhythm of prayer? How do yeah. we develop a prayer life that is is personal, intimate, mm -hmm. but does transition? You know, I had to teach uh, for years not just our church but the body of Christ at large the authority of the mm -hmm. believer. Yep. Because I was missing both elements growing up in church. Yeah. There was nothing personal about it. Uh -huh. God was way over there, and how do we get him over here? Uh -huh. And then our role of, of releasing God's will in the earth mm -hmm. through prayer, partnering with God, our authority, his power, those things weren't taught when yeah. I grew up in church. So I had to really teach a lot of that. But if we don't get the intimacy part right, when real-life stuff happens, yeah. and, and we're going to share some of those things, yep, hopefully, uh, you know, the death of Urias, you mm -hmm. nearly dying. Mm -hmm. Those are real life experiences that you better know how to connect yeah. with God. Yeah. And so how do you develop that in, in your life? Because I've watched you really yeah. develop a, a rhythm, a grace rhythm, not a legalistic rhythm. Yeah. I, I fled from that, and that's why I didn't teach you. Yeah. Uh, Jacob asked me at eight years, of, uh, eight years of age when I teach him the book of Revelation. I mean, he was that hungry for the Bible and the Word, and he'd read the book of Revelation every night. And I told him, you better learn the other 65 books uh -huh. before you can understand Revelation, and yeah. he did. Well, in that, though, he developed, you yeah. developed a real prayer life. So yeah. tell us a little bit how to, how to do that. Well, um, you know, I, again, many people have different experiences when they're beginning this journey, and they're they're instructed incorrectly, uh, or at least there's you know there's leaders or pastors that have good hearts, but they just don't know how to help or lead people. And they'll say things like, "Well, you just pray." I say, "Well, that, that's not helpful. What is that?" Well, just whatever's in your heart before the Lord. Okay. Well, what if all the stuff in my heart's not great? Or <laughs> what if I empty my heart in like five minutes? What? It, how does that? Uh, and I find it interesting. This is something that in learning uh, from you and then developing my own uh, prayer life, how uh, I find it interesting that, that both times Jesus was instructing about prayer or being asked about prayer, uh, he initiated an actual prayer. 
Um, and I had to learn a lot there because there's many people, and this is where generational differences, you, you were leading and pastoring in a time of people being stuck in religion. Yeah. And so you were going after the vain repetition. You were going after just pretension in prayer. Hypocrisy. The hypocrisy in prayer. Uh, and uh, it, I, 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 a lot of our discussions that we've had in, is learning Hey, that's not as big of a giant. It's still there, and we still got to address it. But like, it's I, I don't know legalism. Yeah, and that was like kind yeah. of like a shocker. Like you actually <laughs> accomplished the goal of raising your kids and building our church in a non-hypocritical, non-pretentious environment. It's like I don't know legalism, and so uh, there's things I need to learn that that you you felt like it was legalism. But I needed to figure out what was the motive behind this. And and one of the things you, you quoted Luke 11 that I had to really try to try to learn um, when Jesus says, when you pray, say. And I, find, I found that really interesting. Now, in Matthew, he says, when you pray, pray like this. Um, but he gave him a prayer. Well, are we just supposed to repeat that? Because we've both been in environments. I remember one of the most cringy environments I was ever in. I was at uh, uh, my wife's side of the family. There was like a Praise family God. reunion. I'm not going to throw our fuss <laughs> out of the family. But uh, this was like a, a distant relative. So it's yeah. none of her immediate family. It's a distant relative. And I remember we're at this like birthday party reunion kind of thing. This was many years ago. And they're from another part of the country. And they say, well, let's pray the Lord's Prayer. I'm like, all right, I know that. Uh, we can do that. And it was the most dry, lifeless, pretentious prayer I've ever heard. I'm like, that's not how I know the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> um, and so I know that there's like this vain repetition, but, but here's what I went on a journey. And it, it, it went from having to learn it conceptually to learning it in practice when I, I hit a point in my leadership as I was getting older and taking on more responsibility um, uh, in, in ministry, leading people, uh, I was I was starting to get very stressed uh, and uh, feeling like I had to control a lot of things. And I took uh, a health exam because we were getting, um, you know, I was doing the adult thing, had to get insurance for life insurance <laughs> for my family and make sure my wife's taken care of. And to do that, I had to take a health exam. And I was still young and uh, they they did this health exam. I felt, you know, not great, but it was, it's like, I'm fine. Well, everything came back fine. And then there was this one thing. I remember the agent was like, listen, you got it. You know, there was A, A in this, A in this category. You get an A in this. Well, this category, blood pressure, you get a B. I don't like Bs. <laughs> I, I, I prefer A's uh, and I work for them. Uh, you got a B. And then and he says, well, you got a B in blood pressure. And then he says, but here's the deal. I do a lot of this for people in your line of work. Nearly everybody in your line of work has high blood pressure. And like, not only did I get a B, you're telling me I'm like everybody else. I don't prefer that. <laughs> um, and I started whining and complaining to the Lord. I was like, Lord, I'm doing this for you. Like, it's your ministry that's stressing me out. It's your people that's <laughs> stressing me out. And uh, and he basically, in very firm but loving way, said, well, your prayer life stinks. And I had, I had I guess I'd lost focus or, or I just stopped with the disciplines I had developed. And I was, I, I was maybe my prayer was about a more like mechanism. And what was odd is like, I was praying for people at altars and seeing them, you know, healed or set free or uh, things like that. And like, so it's not like my prayer was ineffective. It's I was missing a foundational element, which was just intimacy with the Lord. And I started acting 
my relationship with the Lord was more about doing than being anymore. And so that when, when we live prolonged in that kind of environment, we start internalizing stress. And I didn't realize that's what I was doing until it showed up on an exam. And, uh, and so I'm like, okay, well, then I'm going after this. And that's when I learned uh, how to pray the Psalms. I was relooking at the Lord's Prayer. And this is just where I started with it was, okay, he gave him a prayer, but I know in the same breath as the Lord's Prayer, he says, don't make it vain repetition. So what is, what is the role of this? Yes, it's a model, but here's what I started seeing or what I started learning. Um, the scripted prayers and the Word of God are like learning a language for relationship. You know, my, my children, when we're, when we're children, my children, they, they build relationship with me by learning my language. Well, the way they learn my language is me not just speaking to them, but them repeating my words. At first, they don't really understand the words until in the relationship, those words start to take meaning. And so we're telling them, you know, just in those, when they're babies, you know, dada or mama, those kinds of syllable words. Well, they're learning a language by repetition. Once they learn the language, now the language is theirs and they utilize that language in their own way to, to maintain the relationship. And that's how I look at like the Psalms or the Lord's Prayer is it's learning a language. Um, another analogy is in music, if you're going to learn any instrument, you have to start with learning the scales. You have to learn when something's in some, a certain key, what is the scale? And, and it, unless you're just a born musician, I was not. <laughs> uh, I had to teach myself piano, teach myself guitar. Um, you learn by playing the scales over and over and over and over. You're not making music yet. You're just learning the scales. Once you have become proficient with the scales and then with chords, now you can make music. And I think that's what initially we could just say just the Lord's Prayer it's learning the language, not for you to be trapped in the language, not right. for you to be trapped right. in just the words, but once you become proficient at the language, then you can develop relationship with the one to whom you're, you're praying to. And that's why I think the, the whole prayer begins with our Father. This is what mm -hmm. we're coming to the Lord in a way that isn't just some distant deity, but our intimate Father. And, uh, you know, He... He, he gives space for his children. Amen. Uh, Lots of space. And, but go ahead. <laughs> and so, uh, so I learned, you know, just learning by praying, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. You're learning that. But then like a musician, once you've learned the scales, when you're praying, our Father, or thank you for your intimacy as our Father, yeah. you're, you're developing a relationship. It's not a mechanism anymore. It's, it's, it's a language that we're able to communicate intimately with our Father that goes beyond just the words. Um, and then as you, the more proficient you are in prayer, the more intimate it becomes. And honestly, and, and, and you've hit this place in your relationship with the Lord, it's actually fewer words. Right. Prayer becomes right. much more than the words we're exchanging. Yeah. Um, and there's a few other layers, but that's kind of the initial foundational that's, element. That's excellent. I, I know that if you don't develop that personal relationship and it be real, mm -hmm. not, not just religious, not going through the motions, but it really be real when a crisis hits, yeah. then the partnership can be broken mm -hmm. with faith because it's faith in the partnership that releases the power of God. And I had my experience 
with you nearly dying at, at eight, Jacob had, had broke his arm. Uh, he was on the swings and he was doing flips. I, don't, I guess you remember this, the details, yeah. but you were doing flips coming out of the swing. And I told uh -huh. you to stop that. And you were trying to impress the girls is what you were doing, whether you're going to admit it or not. Sure. You were trying to impress yeah. the girls. Sure. And <laughs> that's my story <laughs> and I'm sticking to it. And so he was doing these flips, but he flipped and he mistimed it and you broke your, you broke your arm mm -hmm. at your elbow. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is so powerful, brothers and sisters. And this is what we're talking about, about being real and about being intimate with the Lord. One of the things we probably won't have time to really elaborate on, uh, true prayer is, is a two-way street, mm -hmm. not a one-way street. It's a one-way street when we're learning the rhythms, when we're learning the language, when we're learning the, the scale, mm -hmm. uh, but then it becomes a two-way street. And I was actually away from the church with one of the elders and uh, we were fishing and we hadn't been fishing and I hadn't had a day off in a while and that's not healthy. Uh, and so we just disappeared, didn't tell anybody where we went or anything. And there was no way back then to contact us. Yeah. And so we're fishing and just as plain brothers and sisters, just as plain as me speaking to you right now, I heard in my heart, something's wrong with one of my children. Now I can't explain why God didn't tell me which child didn't give me the name. It's about relationship. Mm -hmm. It's about God is God and he demands faith. It's faith that pleases him. So he was saying to me, something's wrong on the inside with one of my children. And so I, I looked over at the elder and said, look, I think God just spoke to me that something's wrong with one of my children. I need to, we need to pack up. I need to go check. And I, I don't want to stretch the story out, but the elder was such a blessing. Uh, he looked at me and said, are you sure? <laughs> yeah. And I said, no, <laughs> I'm not sure. It was just, it wasn't an audible voice. It was just intuition. It was that still small voice. And in prayer is where you develop that yep. in your relationship. See, when a crisis hits, you can't be, you, you can't be shook. Everything gets loud around you. So you have to train your heart and your inner ear to that still small voice. So I said, no, I'm not sure. But he looked at me and said, well, you've been right a whole lot more than you've been wrong. Let's go check. So we go to the church. A man comes running out of the church. I rolled my window down and I said, something's happened to one of my kids. Who is it? And it scared the guy. He just panicked. It was yeah. like I had heard God. And he said, well, it's Jacob and he's around the corner. Well, I go in to pray for you. And, and mm -hmm. you don't remember a lot of things when you were little. But you used to travel with me and you believed in miracles yep. and uh, you saw miracles as a little kid. And so you held up your arm. You knew what I was going to do. I'm going to grab your arm, put it back together, <laughs> yep. uh, pop it together. And we're going to walk out of here. Yeah. And I went to grab your arm second time, still small voice. Don't touch it. Something else was wrong. So we took you down to Sherman, uh, admitted you into the hospital third time I heard the voice of God. That's what prayer is. It's learning to listen, communicate, dialogue, uh, instruction. Uh, the Lord, the Lord said, uh, <clears throat> again, they admitted you for, uh, overnight and, and the Lord said, no, he needs checked right now. And so I wasn't being a overreactive helicopter parent. Yeah. Uh, but I knew I heard God. And sure enough, the doctor didn't want to come in. They called him at home, I think three times. And finally he was eating dinner with his family and he had two boys and he asked the two boys, 
we're going to vote. Do you want me to stay home with you? There's a little boy that broke his arm and they're demanding that I come in and check him. Uh, should I go in and check him? And to think about those two little boys voted yes, daddy, mm -hmm. go check on him because he came in, Jacob, and he saw you in the bed yeah. and he had an attitude. Yeah. I get it. I'm okay with that. But he, he told me later, he, he was going to look at you, look at me and go back home. He looked at you. He started to look at me and he turned back and he said, prep him immediately for surgery. You had broke your elbow, but you had cut your main artery. Yeah. And you were literally bleeding to death. He said you would have bled to death within an hour, half hour to an hour. Mm. So had I not heard God all yeah. three times, you would have died. Mm -hmm. You would have bled to death internally and nobody would have caught it. So that's what we're talking about. We're talking about developing this intimacy. He was operated on. Uh, they documented his case. That elbow break, he was the first one ever to be operated on and get full flexibility back, mm -hmm. 100%. He says 105, but 100% flexibility. flexibility. <laughs> Never took a pain pill. Yeah. Now, I can't answer all the questions. Well, why didn't you just grab it and God mm -hmm. heal him? I don't know all the, what about this and that? I just know I heard God three times. Mm -hmm. And had I not heard him and obeyed, you would have died. Same thing with now the next generation with Urias. Yeah. Uh, and you had developed your intimacy mm -hmm. and these prayer rhythms that we literally saw Urias raised from the dead and then 21 days. Why don't you share a little bit about that and tie it into to your prayer life? Yeah. How does that how does that work? Yeah, there's there's a there's a lot of details here, but um there's a there's like an ecosystem of prayer in our relationship with the Lord that you know we're praying and and in prayer we're communicating to the Lord whether that be uh, the things that really are inside of us our hearts our concerns supplications scripture call it then there's the word that the the prayer our prayer needs to conform to the word because the word is God's will and we pray God's will and then there's listening. We have to be quiet long enough to hear God's response, to give, to get direction like you had trained your ear, your inner ear to. And then there's meditation where you're yeah. meditating on the things of yeah. God and our lives get conformed. Let, let me jump into in the here word of God. and don't lose your thought. I, I will not. Uh, this is where the next generation, I think, improves and you did better. I, I thought you handled yourself much better with Urias mm -hmm. than I did with you. While I heard God three times, while we saw a miracle, we saw you, your life saved, we saw your arm healed. Uh, when that doctor looked at Jacob and then looked back at me and, and said, prep him immediately for surgery, the panic then struck my heart. And I, I mean, I had to go into the prayer chapel immediately after that and harness my thoughts because here I'd heard God three times. You would think I would just be bouncing off the wall with faith. But when push came to shove, when the, 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 the rubber hit the road, there was a moment yeah. that, that, that I could feel the, 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 the not panic, the, the weight. but the weight of, I nearly the lost gravity. you. Mm -hmm. Had It was almost like, and I'm embarrassed to admit this, but it was almost like, what if I hadn't heard God? Yeah. So I had to I had to start processing all of that, and thank God I had a relationship built. Yeah, go ahead and pick up your story because I think you you handled it better than I did. Yeah. Um, well, uh, well, I'll say before we before we go to break, um, I had been in training. You know what that that thing that I'd mentioned earlier about like working on my prayer life was about five years earlier, and so for five years I was working on my prayer. 
learning the role of scripted prayer, learning Psalms, learning how to pray the Psalms, uh, Psalms like uh, Psalm 62 about trusting the Lord at all times, Isaiah uh, 26, three, trust, uh, we, you keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is fixed on you. So, so I trained myself in the word of God, uh, first. Yeah. We're going to pick this back up. We, we want to encourage you to call. Uh, we would love to hear from you, uh, answer questions, hopefully, and even pray with you. 719-619-2341. That's our, that's our, uh, live call in number. And we'll be right back in 90 seconds. We'll finish the story and then we'll start taking your calls. With practical government, you have experts in the fields that are sharing their perspective, wisdom and experience. It's not available anywhere else in the world. We're going to teach a Christian heritage of our American government. They're gonna learn about the Founding Fathers. We're teaching the Constitution, how government operates, practical skills and field study. No matter where you're coming from, the world needs you. Whatever God's calling you to do, you're able to do it. To learn more, visit practicalgovernmentschool.com. At Truth and Liberty Coalition, we have big plans to make a big impact. If you want to be a part of turning our nation back to God, I want to invite you to become a supporter of Truth and Liberty. You can go on our website at truthandliberty.net to the donate page and make a gift there. And you can also sign up to be uh, make a recurring automatic gift of $5 or more per month, and then you'll become a Truth and Liberty member. And uh, our gifts to Truth and Liberty are not tax deductible, but I promise you, God sees your generosity. So go to Truth and Liberty and become a member today. We get to stop looking at this word as someday. We gotta look at it, it is for now. And the Spirit of God, don't you think is big enough to teach you, to show you how to do things? Stop thinking that one day when I am super spiritual or when I have the money I need. No, start doing what he called you to do right now with the strength you have. So Father, we say yes to that today. Hey everyone, welcome back to our Truth and Liberty live call-in show. Let me give you the number again, 719-619-2341. That's the number you can call and ask questions or we would welcome even your comments. Um, the prayer line, which I want to make sure that, man, with us talking about all these miracles that we've experienced and the power of prayer and the intimacy of prayer, that you have an outlet to get prayer, our prayer line is 719-635-1111. 719-635-1111. Well, I'm interviewing and having a great time with my son, Jacob Sheriff, and uh, we're talking about Urias, and uh, I've shared on how that Jacob nearly died at eight, and we saw the power of prayer. We saw the intimacy of prayer. I didn't get into all the process I had to go through, but these were the things I did try to teach him and my children and our church. But again, Jacob, I think, and the entire church has taken it to another level. So we're, we're getting into the story now of Urias, and I'll, mm -hmm. I'll let him just pick it up where he left off, and then we'll start taking your calls. Yeah, you, you had raised us with a very strong foundation about the role of faith, about how our partnership with God, the authority of the Word of God, uh, and then how in my life that, that built on that foundation was the role of spiritual disciplines. 
um, and the spiritual disciplines, they can easily become religious routine, but in and of themselves, they are ways in which we develop an intimacy with God. And if that's the purpose and we maintain that purpose and motive, then we develop that intimacy. And so that's something that I had just been developing is a lot about spiritual disciplines and that's training. Uh, that's it's, it's discipline to be training, to be in training so that when the moment of crisis hits, you are trained for it. And, uh, and then previous experiences like my own healing and my arm. Um, but then our first pregnancy ended in miscarriage. And it was, it was really, uh, uh, it was really important in that moment in my life to, to grapple with some things with the Lord. Um, and one of them was praying Psalm 62, uh, where it says, for God alone, O my soul, this is verse five through eight, for God alone, O my soul, wait in silence for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. And then verse 8, trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Learning how to pray those kinds of scriptures, how to pour out my heart before the Lord, how to trust him as my refuge. He is my rock. My emotions aren't my rock. I have them and I need to pour out my heart before him but I don't anchor my life on emotions. So I'd, I'd been in training for all of those things. And um, we had had four kids up to this point. My wife's pregnant with our fifth kid. And it was, it was a little bit more difficult of a pregnancy. Well, nothing physical, but just you could tell like we were in a different season of our life. And it was almost like the, the spiritual battle was heightening. And we were looking at having the baby as the finish line. Um, and so we, we worked through even his name. <laughs> Uh, and his name is a bit unique. My wife and I like things to be symmetrical. And we had an Adea, A, Israel, I, Olivia, O, Emma, E, A, I, O, and E. So we have all the vowels, but you. And we're like, <laughs> we're pregnant with a fifth. We have to have a U name. It took us forever to really work that through and talk that through. But we found uh, the name Urias, which is God is my light. And so we were, we were preparing for that. Um, and uh, so the day of his delivery, uh, there's so many details here, but, but basically while she was in delivery, um, and this, this is Urias' full term. So he's a full term baby. Uh, my wife has a, a really rare, uh, something that happens very rarely. I mean, it's only like 20,000 pregnancies uh, in all of the country, like every year, like less than that. It might be 2000. Um, so this does not happen very often, uh, but she has what's called a placental abruption. And that's where the placenta separates from the womb or the uterus and she bleeds internally and it cuts off oxygen to the baby. And so while she, while she's delivering Uriah, she has that abruption. The doctor sees something's gone wrong, has an immediate calls for immediate surgery. So they wheel her to the ER, um, to the, uh, the operating room, the OR. And, uh, which thankfully was just right down the hall. And uh, by the time he starts to cut her open is when I walk into the room and I see that they had, they take Urias out of uh, my wife and I can see he's lifeless uh, and uh, he's blue. He's, he hasn't been breathing. And so what with the oxygen getting cut off, he was without oxygen between five and 10 minutes inside the womb and they began resuscitating him. And immediately that's when I just, I lock eyes with the nurse and I'm in prayer. I'm not like shouting or screaming, but I'm in prayer. And, uh, 
I had been training myself with a particular prayer um, uh, on a mostly daily basis where uh, I'm praying through certain Psalms. And one of the Psalms that I pray through uh, is Psalm 27, where the opening line says, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? And so when this this is happening and I'm feeling the feelings of fear, immediately that's the scripture that comes into my mind. And I'm, I'm meditating on that as I'm watching them. My wife and I begin to pray. I remember texting whoever I'm texting in the moment, pray, pray for the baby, pray hard. Um, and they began resuscitating him. And I did, we didn't know this until much later, but general practice and policy is uh, to only try to resuscitate for about 10 minutes. Because after 10 minutes, it's a sharp decline uh, of, it, they basically, it's guaranteed brain damage. And it's not partial brain damage and a slow, slow brain damage. It's immediate, like anything after 10 minutes is guaranteed brain damage and it gets extreme very quickly. Even to the point where after 10 minutes, uh, the pediatrician that's in the room is very subtly and graciously trying to get them to stop. Uh, and just let it go. But the the head doctors, the the baby doctor, Hannah's doctor, uh, he just wouldn't stop. And so he had already been without oxygen for 10 minutes, five to 10 minutes, and they resuscitate for 20 minutes. And at 20 minutes, they get a pulse. Well, after 25, 30 minutes of being without oxygen, every one of his organs had shut down uh, and uh, his brain was affected by the lack of oxygen. And they got a pulse, but it's weak, and uh, they're not telling us much, but basically all the doctor would say is, your son is very sick. The few tests that they do there locally, everything's bad, very, very bad. So, they've, so he's back from the dead, but he's not necessarily alive. I mean, he's just barely functioning. Uh, and they're trying to tell us what they can, but they're not saying much. And... Uh, they have to care flight him to the NICU. And uh, it's like 70 miles away. They do it in a helicopter. Uh, and you came in the room and we were trying to just get any kind of understanding. What is this? And they would say things like, well, his pH scale is 100% acidic. We're supposed to have a balance of base and acid in our bodies. And it was 100% acidic. Let's say every one of his organs are shut down. Um, we, we got a heartbeat, but, but he's had to be intubated because his lungs aren't functioning. None of his organs are working. Uh, and so it's, it's bad. And um, that's when, you know, we're put to the test. What are we going to believe? And we make the decision uh, that my wife has to stay at the hospital because we didn't realize how life-threatening it was to her. She could have bled to death. Um, but she, she, they sewed her up and she was fine, but they had to watch her for 48 hours uh, and so I'm going down to the NICU and you, you drove me down there, uh, and we were very quiet. Um, but just trying to get our head around, okay, we believe in the impossible. He's back from the dead, but we have a major uphill climb. I don't understand why he's back from the dead, but why are we having to do this in the process of them care flighting him to the NICU? Uh, he had had a couple seizures. And so we get down to the NICU and they get him in and we get down there and the doctor comes out and expect him. We're trying to get some answers and she's being vague. They start a cooling treatment, which is 72 hours of lowering the body temperature 
uh, so that the brain doesn't overreact. He's having seizures because uh, his brain is overreacting to try to fix all the problems in his body, but but overreacting will actually do more damage. And so they were concerned he would do more damage. So they do this cooling treatment, which slows the metabolism down. So his brain's not really working uh, to just do that for three days. And so we go to the there and the lady comes out and tells us uh, that uh, this is the procedure they're doing. Yes, he had a seizure. We, we're doing this. We're doing this. There's a lot we don't know. And you ask, like, how long we're going to be here? And she's like, I don't know. Could be months. Um, a lot. We don't know a lot until after this particular treatment. And then we'll find out. Uh, and so uh, shortening a lot of the story and the details of this story, I stay there at the hospital after 24 hours of their observation is when the neurologist and the neonatologist, uh, the baby doctor there, uh, call me in and uh, set me down. And that's when they, they're saying the things that none of us really want to hear. Um, Mr. Sheriff, would you please sit down? And so I sat down. And uh, one of the things I had been practicing as a discipline was gratitude. Um, I, for whatever reason, my natural wiring is to find issues or problems uh, to, to try to make things better. And the, the weak side of that in the flesh is like cynicism yeah. or skepticism. <laughs> and so I knew that that's, that needs to be conformed into the image of Jesus. And yeah. so I've been practicing gratitude and how to look for things to be grateful for. And so they set me down. And the neurologist said, you know, Mr. Sheriff, your, your son had a major insult in delivery. Uh, and uh, it's, it's definitely brain damage. Uh, it had multiple seizures. This is most likely cerebral palsy. Uh, and coupled with seizures, these are things that are most likely part of the rest of his life. Um, he might not walk. He might not talk. Uh, we have a feeding tube in him. Every baby's different, but he may never be able to feed himself. Uh, and you need to prepare for your life to be different. Um, they weren't rude. They weren't mean. They were very clinical. Um, but he, he, in that one moment, just said, you know, there's a few outliers out there that make uh, a substantial recovery, but they're very few. And you need to be prepared for your life and your family to be different. And uh, I could feel the emotions coming up. And I'm reconciling all of this, been praying all through that day. Uh, and I just said, thank you. Um, I didn't want to be one of those belligerent parents who start blaming them. Absolutely. Because I knew they were caring for my son. So I said, thank you. Thank you for caring for my son. I know you're doing the best you can. Don't be afraid to tell me what you see. But you need to know that uh, my wife and I and our family are people of faith. We have a lot of people praying for this boy. And uh, I think my son's going to surprise you. And uh, they just said, we hope so. And uh, as I was walking out of the NICU, where I was, was, I don't know, about 100 paces, about halfway there. Uh, those words were on repeat, like the loudest speaker cranked up to the highest volume, almost to distortion level, where it's like screeching inside my head and all of the images like a machine gun is is firing about these words 
and what that's going to look like for the rest of his life. And it's just like screeching in my head. And the only way I know how to describe this was like thundering silence that in a moment it went silent. And I just, I heard the Lord say, only believe. Yeah. And uh, I went back to the room and uh, knew that that came from Mark chapter five, uh, the story of Jairus and his daughter and Jesus saying, only believe. Uh, and I, I had, I did have my emotional reaction to it privately before the Lord in kind of walking out Psalm 62, pour out your heart before the Lord. I knew that I can't pretend my way into faith. I need to, to pour out my heart before the Lord. And there was some grieving and sorrow, but like, we're going to believe. And that's when I didn't want to call my wife. There's nothing she could do till the next day. Uh, and so I was going to call her the next day. So I called you. Uh, and I think you were even on your way home with my kids. Um, and I told you, and I knew I, I was, I was emotional. And I just said, this is what they're saying. This is what they, they said about him. Uh, and, and we agreed, we're going to only believe Amen. we're going to trust God. We're going to see this all the way through. Um, we don't know the way through, but we're going to see it all the way through. Uh, and so, um, that's just, I mean, there's so much there. Probably, yeah. probably before we go into more details of that yeah. story, that's one of probably the biggest pieces to, to tie yeah. in with, with prayer is, again, kind of this ecosystem of prayer of our, our, what we're communicating to God and then the listening to God with meditation and how we think and set our minds on God, like Isaiah 26, 3 says about him keeping us in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed, whose imagination is stayed on, on you, for he trusts in you. And then the word of God, uh, the mm -hmm. word of God's the will of God. Uh, and all of those things kind of combined, you train yourself in that, in your disciplines of prayer, prayer, meditation, scripture reading and engagement, memorization, all those kinds of disciplines that, that are not about the disciplines themselves. They're about communion with our God. Mm -hmm. Um, they're about learning faith and trust in him so that in the moment you have faith, you have a firm ground to stand on. And so in like, in the same way, I call you my natural dad, uh, that like, I, we're not going to get through this alone. Right. Um, right. like I'm not, I don't, I don't, I don't have, I don't have enough, uh, coherence in this moment mm. to go at this alone. Um, I, I'm calling you like, I need I need you to know so that we can target our prayers, but like, I need some support. Uh, I don't want to be in this by myself. Uh, and yeah. So, and that's the same way with our heavenly father, man, I, there's so much here. And, and I pray brothers and sisters that you are, are hearing the Lord in this and that you're understanding how important it is that you develop these rhythms of prayer, these disciplines. Grace is not opposed to discipline. Mm -hmm. Grace is opposed to trying to earn or deserve something from God, but these disciplines are a part of our everyday life so that when the crisis hits, when the storm comes, your house is built on the rock and it will stand. Uh, I, can, I can remember the call. I can remember the emotions I was feeling, but I had been here. I had been here before, so I was able to process it pretty, pretty quick discipline my mind, your imagination. See, when you, when you face a problem or a crisis, your mind will try to get away from you. Your emotions yeah. are going to be affected. It's not a lack of faith. 
-hmm. to have an emotional response to something. That's human. It really is being real. And I had my own emotional response as well, but I was able to imagine immediately, to meditate immediately, to see the end, to declare the end at the beginning. That's the image of God in us. That's a part of prayer too, is we declare the end at the beginning. And uh, instead of seeing negative images that were trying to be painted on my mind, even as Jacob is communicating, you know, I saw Urias going to kindergarten. As a matter of fact, I got emotional just recently. We got a picture. We were uh, in Colorado at our campus in Colorado, and I got a picture of Urias going to kindergarten. Mm -hmm. And there he is smiling, and there he is going to school. He's walking, he's talking, he's eating, he's communicating. He's totally healed. And that's the image I literally saw. I saw purposely him going to school. I saw him hunting with me, of course. Mm-hmm. I've got to get him away from his geek dad and, and yep. teach him hunting skills. But I saw him hunting with me. That's a part of prayer. It's a part of our imagery. It's a part of a rhythm that you develop in your everyday life is seeing the good, being grateful that he's alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had to do the same thing is I'm thankful and grateful. He came back from the dead. If God can do that, yeah. God can heal him. And then we started the process yeah. of 21 days yeah. of prayer of 21 days of posting the prayer. Yeah. I remember <laughs> the difference in generations again, and me having to train a generation. Now Jacob is carrying a trained generation, but I hadn't made the transition totally in my in my head yet of, of, of how our young people had been taught how to pray. So you have to be taught why to pray. The why is important of everything you do in life, including prayer, uh, how to pray, and then what to pray. What do you pray? And so Jacob came to me and he talked about posting a prayer publicly, <laughs> worldwide, a, a prayer. And I'm, I'm going, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's keep this within the family because yeah. when it happened to you, we didn't have a mature yeah. body of believers yeah. that knew how to agree. Uh, they were going to be looking for the cause and, yeah. and, and that kind of thing and making negative confessions. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking, no, let's keep it between us. And, and I remember you looking at me and saying, Dad, you've taught us how to pray. You've taught a whole generation. And so it's like the light came on that, wait a minute, these kids do know how to pray. They do know how to believe. They know how to agree. That's why you need to call the prayer line. We're hoping this will encourage you to believe for miracles, to believe Mm -hmm. for your healing, to believe for signs and wonders, to get people to agree in prayer. So Jacob convinced me in the the foyer that we're going to write up a prayer Mm -hmm. for Urias, and here's what we're going to pray. Remember, why are we praying? How do we pray? And then what do we pray? Mm -hmm. And it was powerful. Uh, tell our audience a little bit about that and yeah. uh, just corporate prayer. We, we need to be a part. You need to have friends and family that know how to pray together, brothers and sisters. There's yeah. things coming on the horizon. We need each other now, but we're going to need each other even more. So yeah. walk us through that quickly. Yeah, after, after I made that phone call, I went to bed that night meditating on Jesus's words, Mark chapter 5, verse 36. That he says to Jairus, he looks Jairus. I know he just looks him in the eye. Yeah, uh, he yeah. says to Jairus, yeah. do not fear, yeah. only believe. And so I knew that like, okay, we're going to have to keep our emotions in check. We, we have them. We're going to have responses, but we're not going to anchor what we're believing for on our emotions or our feelings or what their diagnosis is. We're going we're gonna to trust God all the way through. 
went to bed that night. The, the nurse that night uh, saw his eyes open, went to wake me up. Um, and uh, by the time I got to Urias's bed, he'd already gone back to sleep. And uh, she was really disappointed, but she gave me a few minutes by myself there. And I just remember because I had gone to sleep that night meditating on, I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to let what I see because it's not a good image. Yeah. When we saw Urias, he's cold uh, because his body temperature was down. He's seized up. His arms are tight and yeah, seized up. His legs were seized up like almost like a permanent seizure. So that those are all indications for them that, that this is cerebral palsy. Uh, and I just, I rebuked the seizures and not any, not a dramatic prayer. Just, I rebuked the seizures because I know we're going to speak. We're going to have what we say. So I speak to the mountain, cerebral palsy, brain damage. And it was not dramatic. It was not long, just rebuked it. And, uh, I went back to bed later, like two weeks later, the, the nurse said, uh, that after I left, she could sense the presence of God there, and she saw the monitors start to change. Now, she didn't tell us that. Yeah. I wish she would have. But um, <laughs> so, so it was the next day, uh, we're talking this through, and you had experienced many of the doubters, the unbelievers, the people making trying to figure out where the blame is or, or chastising your faith uh, because this shouldn't happen if you were a man of faith. So you had experienced all that, and I hadn't really experienced that. Um, but I, I remember just saying, like, Dad, you taught us to pray. If we if we can't get it now, we're never going to get it. Yeah, yeah. So let's give them a chance, but let's tell people how to pray. So I went to bed that night, and I and I we I this is the power of knowing the Word of God. We wrote a prayer based on the Word of God, and and I wrote it verbatim, uh, how to speak to the mountains, what we're confessing over him and what we're believing for. Uh, and then that's when we released it to the body and said, we need you to pray. And so that's what they're praying. A few people arranged uh, an hour by hour praying for him continually. When they were uh, going to heat him back up but three days later on the, you know, on the third day, when they on were the third heat him back day. up, uh, my wife had arranged for our family, her family, and a few of our close friends to come to the lobby, the waiting room. And in the, in a NICU like that, you're not unless you're immediate family, you're not allowed to go in to see the the baby. But they put a camera above their head uh, so you can see them. And I had <laughs> I'd taken over the waiting room and I took over the TV <laughs> and I put I put up the stream of Urias so everybody could see him. And so we had him up, and we spent I think it was like three hours. This yeah. was this was going to be like a twelve hour process of him heating back up. And they said this is the most volatile time that when they're heating back up, that's when they're going to see, is his brain trying to fix everything? Is he going to have more seizures? They're preparing us for seizures. They're preparing us for worst case. They're like, thank you. It's going to be okay. We're going to see it. Well, we, we spent like three hours just praying, and it was not a beg fest. It was not a <laughs> whine and complaint. This was yeah. just, we're full of faith. Yeah. We're, we're declaring God's word. We're speaking God's word over him. We're uniting in prayer, the prayer of agreement, Matthew 18, where two or three agree on earth is touching anything, it shall be done. First John 5, uh, if we ask anything according to his will, we know he hears us. And if we know he hears us, we know we have what we ask. So this is God's will, total and complete healing, uh, full and complete. He's going to walk, talk. He's going to be fully normal, fully healthy. Uh, and after about three hours, y'all took the kids home and y'all left and laid into the night um, as they're reheating. And it was like midnight or 1 a.m., uh, one arm drops and relaxes. And then another two hours later, the other arm relaxes. Amen. Another two hours later, his legs relax. Uh, and we start seeing some good signs. Uh, and so, but 
but we weren't out of the woods that he has to hit numerous milestones to get out of the, to get out of the NICU. And uh, I, I mean, there's just not tons of explanation about this, but we would get some good news. We would get, you know, when they reheated him, they did all the certain tests they can do then. They were shocked. He's doing good. And that was uh, just a big relief. Well, then day seven, they're doing an MRI. And that was the first time we got to hold him. We weren't really allowed to hold him until then. They're doing an MRI. And so we're like, this is going to be great. This is going to be good. They're going to see health. We're going to get out of here. And it's mostly good, but he, but the neurologist sees brain damage. And that was like a punch in the gut. Yeah. Uh, and I remember I told Hannah, like, I just need to go rest. I'm not capable of, of being in front of anybody or declaring anything until I just rest before the Lord. And so I went and took a nap. When I got up, I had to be honest before the church. This is where we're at. But the same faith, we said, we're going to only believe. Uh, and the same thing we believed when they said it was the worst case scenario and we saw some improvement, we're going to see it again. We're not going to back down. And that's part of just our intimacy with the Lord is that uh, that diligence, that persistence, that perseverance in prayer that I don't know why. And people might question our faith on that. I don't know why it wasn't up and to the right 100% and he's out the next day. Um, but I wasn't concerned about all the whys, except that we're going to see it manifest. And then by day 20, we were able to, to see um, how prayer had managed, and, and he hit all the milestones that he needed to get out. Um, and then long story short, after the one-year mark, we finally go back to the neurologist after a year, determined, like, you're going to see what we see in our imagination. <laughs> um, finally, after, at the one-year mark, uh, he finally was like, okay, we're doing all these tests. I don't see anything wrong with your kid. Wow. He's great. Um, and that so all was, happened in 21 days. Yeah. But brothers and sisters, people hear about this and they don't understand the backfill. Mm -hmm. So we're going to come back in, in, in 90 seconds here and continue. And our phone number is 719-619-2341. We'd love to hear from you and take your calls. But we're going to keep sharing because this is changing lives. I'll be back in 90 seconds. At Truth and Liberty Coalition, we work to unify, educate, and mobilize the body of Christ to change nations. That's why I want to encourage you to go to our website at truthandliberty.net and subscribe so that you can begin receiving regular updates uh, about our show, news items, action alerts, blog posts, and much, much more. Uh, all you have to do is go to the website, click subscribe, share your email address, and you'll begin to be equipped to stand for truth in the public square. Are you in ministry and want to connect with other like-minded ministers? Andrew Womack founded the Association of Related Ministries International, or ARMY, to serve, equip, and empower you for success in your ministry through relationships, community, and resources. But just being a part of this, uh, being filled with the Word of God and with ARMY, and fellowshipping, knowing that I have other ministers with me, it is awesome. We have met such precious people through ARMY. Uh, there's people I know I can call when I'm in a jam. Ministers have a safe place to come. We can unify and unite for the kingdom. As an ARMY member, some of the benefits you'll enjoy are Bible teaching correspondence courses, regional advocates for personal support and ministry, regional events for networking, one-on-one -on -one ministry and encouragement, our monthly newsletter, and more. You don't have to do ministry alone. Join this growing network of dynamic and elite ministers from across the U.S. and around the world today. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Truth and Liberty. I'm excited to have my guest today, my, my very own son, 
Jacob Sheriff, and we're sharing on the power of prayer. We're sharing on how to build these disciplines in your life, brothers and sisters, how to develop not only your own prayer life, but what we're sharing indirectly is we need people that, that can agree with us, that can stand with us in a crisis. We all face things. I don't care how much faith you have, how much you think you're even operating in, we all face storms in our life. We all face tribulations and, and afflictions and things of this nature. And Jesus promised that in this world, we would have tribulations. We would be persecuted. We would have these afflictions. And these are things that, man, our family was loving Jesus, serving Jesus, serving the body of Christ. And again, I nearly lost Jacob at eight and learned so much about relationship with God and listening to God and learning to pray. And then now Jacob nearly lost Urias and we could have lost his wife. We could have lost Hannah. Uh, she gets lost in the testimony many times because of the baby. <laughs> And, and Urias, but we had to believe for Hannah to make sure she didn't bleed to death and that she was healed as well, and she was. And so let me give you the number again, 719-619-2341. We would love to answer any questions you have in regards to prayer or have any comments to share on Jacob's testimonial. Our prayer line, because I guarantee you, uh, you need to develop some prayer partners. And if you don't have anybody to pray with you, thank God for AWMI and the prayer partners that are available. Listen, 24-7, mm-hmm. seven days a week, 24 hours a day, you can call at any time and there's somebody there to pray with you. There's someone to agree with you because again, when things happen, your emotions can get out of whack. And if you haven't disciplined yourself to rein them in, they could control your action and reaction, which many times is not faith. And so we're available. We have partners available for you. The prayer line is 719-635-1111. Well, we're at the point in the testimony and in the prayer and the rhythm of prayer, not only with Jacob, with with me and and, and Sue agreeing with Jacob and Hannah and, and standing and watching literally a a baby in 21 days go from from basically a vegetable uh, to totally healed. Uh, Let's pick up the story where we left off and um, some things God taught you. Yeah, so we ended up 20, day 21, we got to come home uh, from the hospital. Uh, And uh, there's a lot of details to share like inside that time. But, um, you know, again, I wrote, we wrote a prayer uh, for people to pray, uh, so that, to be honest, uh, you know, I'd said like, Hey, let's, let's bring the church in. If they don't know how to pray yet, um, then they're going to have to learn now. Uh, and so we had the written prayer, but truthfully, I also had a very low tolerance for stupid in that time. (laughs) (laughs) So if anybody started like throwing shade, casting blame or questioning or whatever, I was going to have a low tolerance. Thankfully, our church uh, exhibited an immense amount of maturity, uh, and there was none of that. But I was going to have, I had a lot of patience for all the people in the NICU, for the doctors. I know that they're not all believers um, or that they're used to seeing death. I mean, this is one of the highest level, this is the highest level NICU in like an 80 mile radius, 90 mile radius. 
So all the babies that go there are the worst case scenarios. And so there's just as many babies that leave the NICU in caskets as there are, uh, you know, and almost none of the babies leave healthy. So they're used to death. They're used to things not working out. They're used to, to uh, negative diagnoses. So I, I knew I had, to, I had to stay very intent. I'm also a pastor. So it's like, I want people to see Jesus in the midst of this. Um, but if you're a believer and a part of our church and you're being stupid, I was going to have a low tolerance for stupid. Um, <laughs> but because like, we're going to only believe, we're not going to be afraid. We're going to only believe. Uh, and you know, we would, we would, we would see some advancements and then, you know, he didn't pass his suck swallow test, uh, meaning the muscles in his mouth hadn't developed yet. And so we're like, okay, we're going to have to go after that in prayer. And so what had happened is we had very trusted people who we knew knew how to pray. Yeah. And they arranged for 24 hours a day. Someone's praying for him. Let, Let me, let me interject something there and encourage you again to develop, uh, relationships that are trustworthy and that are mature in the Lord. Because I remember too as well that we would target each report that would come out as a negative report rather than reacting to that in the flesh, allowing emotions to rule the day. We would counter that. Then we would find someone to agree. And again, we had people praying. I, I, I do believe people were praying 24 hours in prayer, prayer chains uh, and targeting a specific problem. You have to learn this, brothers and sisters. You have to learn to not only speak to your mountain, that once you speak to your mountain as an act of faith, it doesn't stop there. You relationally connect to the Father personally to affirm that, to thank Him for that, but then you have other people agreeing with you. And we yeah. saw that with, with the 21 days. Uh, talk about that a little further on the targeting of a specific issue because people need to know how do you pray? Right. How do you, you just don't pray one time right. and walk out 21 days later. Yeah. No, pray without ceasing, yeah. uh, which means you pray and you you don't let go of what you're praying for till yeah. it manifests. So yeah. walk us through that. And then I, I'd like for you to share a little bit about the, the young people gathering uh, yeah. uh, in that foyer. What a witness that was in the hospital. But go ahead. Yeah. I mean, some of the important things, this is where, first of all, I was so grateful for growing up in a, a grace church that is built on the word of God uh, and not man's opinion, not religion just the grace of God that like at no point in time did any of us question God's love. We didn't have that question lingering. If God loved us, how come that like that never came up in anybody's thoughts. Um, we didn't, we didn't have any question as to what God's will is. We know that what's happening is not God's will. We know God's will is full and total and complete healing and health. And so we didn't have this like, well, was it God's will? Is God trying to teach us? Like we didn't have any of those thoughts, which is what I was going to have a very low tolerance for. But that that had to be built as a foundation. Uh, and if someone is in the midst of crisis struggling with that, you got to start there. That's why prayer initially is about that relationship with the Lord. You got to know the heart of God. And let me let me interject something. If you're watching uh, and you're going through a crisis, or you're going through you know a heavy fiery trial, uh, you need people in your life, you you need to make sure you write down, if nothing else, if you don't have these kind of relationships in this kind of church, you need to connect to our prayer line and know that there will be somebody available for you 24-7 mm-hmm. that, can, that can walk you through that. 
Because if, if you question God's love for you in a trial, which is very common, mm -hmm. if God loves me, why did he die in the womb? If God loves us, why did it take, you know, 20 minutes? Was he dead 20 minutes? You, you got to get past all of that. And that's a part of what a prayer life and developing one is all about, is that you never question God's love because faith works. Galatians 5, 6 says faith works by love. Uh, knowing God's love for you is what keeps your faith working when you get that negative report, mm -hmm. is that God loves you and that God is not on trial here. Mm -hmm. I may be on trial and my faith may be on trial, but God is never on trial in a, in a crisis. Mm -hmm. uh, so pick it up from there. Yeah. So that, that first foundationally was critical that we all like, we know what God's will is. We're going to stand and believe then the, the don't be afraid, only believe. Okay. We're only going to trust. Well, well, what then would the images be like you had said, what would the images that correlate to God's will that will be, that will generate faith in us? And so I had to nurture in my imagination, him going to kindergarten. I nurtured I spent time nurturing the image of kindergarten graduation, seeing like, and I would tell people like, I'm, I'm, I have to see him riding a bicycle. Yeah. I have to see him yeah. graduating kindergarten. I have to see him playing sports. I have to see him playing with his siblings. I have to, see, and it's like, I spent time. We spent time imagining him at different ages, graduating eighth grade, graduating high school, graduating college, getting married, all those things that, yeah. that if, if God's will is fully manifested, what would it look like? Yeah. It would look like these things. And let me just say, we're not talking about mind over matter. Mm -hmm. We're not talking about psychobabble here. We're talking about how your mind matters. It's not, it's not mind over matter. It's that your mind matters and many people are just not trained in prayer. They haven't learned to discipline their imagination, to discipline the images on the inside of them. When you pray, when you pray the word of God over your situation, brothers and sisters, you have to see it manifest in your heart first, internally first, before you see it externally. And, and, and this was the experience that we all had. Yeah. Then build on that, uh, you know, Mark 11 uh, 22 to 24, uh, Jesus says, have faith in God. Truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. So we had known that we we and we, we know the word now. Like, what does it look like when we're in the midst of this crisis? Okay, we're going to trust God. We're going to only believe. And then, what are the mountains that we're facing? Because this is just—I mean, it's all over Mark's gospel, but it's just the reality we live in. There is a higher reality of the kingdom of God that that is the authority that is over this reality. And so, the facts of this reality was brain damage. Uh, seizures, all these different things that were, a part, they were facts and we're not denying the facts, but there is a superseding reality, the kingdom of God, that, that he is, if you believe that you have received it, it will be yours. God's will is he's totally and completely healed and healthy. That's what the reality is. That's the ultimate reality. And so now we have to look at the mountains that are a part of this reality and we have to speak to them. And so that's where I would put out to the people praying, these are the mountains. We are speaking to these mountains, commanding them to be moved. We will have what we say. So what do we say? He's healthy and whole. 
the doctors say, well, he needs to get on this medicine. Okay, but he's going to get off that medicine because he is fully and completely healthy. Well, he needs to take this certain thing. Okay, thank you, but he, we're gonna see it all manifest all the way through. We know his end here at the beginning, and that's what we're speaking to. And, and for whatever reason, it was a process. I wish it was instantaneous. Yeah. There's so yeah. many times we have prayed for people and it yeah. instantly manifests yeah. and I love it. <laughs> and then there's other times like we're, we're going to have to persevere and I'm not questioning, is my faith not working or is, is someone getting in the way? No, we're going to only believe. We're going to only believe. And we would, that's where when the people I knew that were praying, okay, this is the mountain in front of us, start speaking to that mountain and we're going to do it in unity. I'm not going to let people go off on their own and start saying all sorts of dumb stuff. Yeah. We're going to stick with it and we're going to be in unity in our prayer, declaring God's will, because if we're asking anything according to his will, we know we have it. We know he hears and we know we have it. And we would do, and then there would be different times where we would have some of our worship leaders, some of our friends and we would just totally take up the waiting room and we would just worship <laughs> and pray and yeah. give thanksgiving and just praise God uh, in the midst of all of this and just give give uh, thanks to God and just worship him for hours. And uh, we didn't even care that it might have got on their nerves. We weren't weird. We weren't yeah. We weren't so loud. This was pre-COVID yeah. too. So we were allowed to do a lot of this stuff and yeah. I would have done it anyway. But yeah. um, we weren't weird, but we were just declaring God's word. And uh, one of the things that we decided we would do uh, that my wife and I and then anybody that joined us is we're going to be praying for all the other babies in there. And it was, yeah. the, it was the most interesting thing because this is like a stronghold of death. I mean, yes. this is like sickness and disease reigns here. And I'm like, as long as I have to be here, I'm going to do damage to the kingdom of darkness. <laughs> I'm going to be an insurgent for the kingdom of God. Amen. Uh, and every time I go in this NICU, every bed I pass, I'm going to speak healing over these babies. And they would say like, man, there's so many that are leaving early and there's not very many coming in and we're just, we're down a whole lot more. We had to shift yeah. wings and that's what just so like, cause that's yeah. what we're praying. That's yeah, what we'll we're declaring. We'll come right back, but you need to process that. You need to think about that, that, uh, especially a lot of young people. I was so impressed would gather in the waiting room and it was truly a witness. They weren't rude. They weren't belligerent, uh, any of those kind of things, but they would just worship God softly and it affected the entire unit. And Jacob and myself and others, we would pray for these other babies. And we were just seeing all kinds of, of positive results. This is what God wants. He, he, he wants us to not only be able to stand for our families, for our own, own uh, hearts and lives. He wants to make us a witness. This is a part of being fruitful and a witness is answered prayers. Yeah. So I just need you to keep going. One of the, I don't want to interrupt in a way, but I want to make sure that we're, we're still educating and encouraging people in, in their prayer life and the power of it and the beauty of it. Cause it's a beautiful thing. It wasn't beautiful when we were experiencing it, yeah. but looking back, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, please don't lose your, your train of thought, but uh, I know a lot of people wanted that prayer that that we wrote. You yeah. wrote it. Mm -hmm. I kind of reviewed it and mm -hmm. uh, refined it a little bit. But <laughs> sure. anyway, yeah. it's your prayer. Uh, but we posted that, and it yeah. was amazing how it ministered to so many people. So I don't know how people can get that. You may want to come back to that. Let's go ahead and take a take a call right quick, and then pick up your story sure. in the waiting room. Um, AJ from Colorado, uh, thanks so much for calling. Uh, what's your question for for Jacob? Hey, Pastor Sheriff's plural. I was wondering. Hi. Hmm. Uh, also, thank you for your uh, testimony. It's uh, pretty hard to go through those things. So thank you for sharing. 
I was wondering, is prayer and the power of the imagination and thinking on good things basically the same as Yoda or yoga meditation? Well, I'll let, I'll let Jacob go first, uh, unless he wants me to go first. Uh, but <laughs> you, there, there, you is a, first. there is a there is a you, difference. You've passed it a long time. We're 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 not talking about uh, again religion. We're not talking about just a mental exercise independent of connectivity with God. When we talk about imagination, we're talking about meditation, mm -hmm. which is a form of prayer, which is in the Bible, both Old Testament and New Testament. But we're not talking about, again, the power of the mind. We're talking about yielding the mind in our meditation, which includes imagination and seeing, uh, visualization. Uh, but we're talking about yielding that still, though, to the Word of God connecting it with the Word of God, connecting it with the Spirit of God. Uh, so we're not talking about just a mental exercise like yoga would be. I, I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with just disciplining your mind uh, through these disciplines that the world offers, but that's not the power of God. We're talking about the power of God not coming from the mind, but coming through the mind. Right. If you don't align your thoughts with God's Word, that power in your spirit can't flow through your life into your circumstances, into your mountain. So when we talk about imagination, when we talk about visualization, uh, we're talking about meditating on the Word of God day and night, mm -hmm. allowing the mind to cooperate with the Spirit of God and the Word of God. So if you want to add to that and then jump back into your testimony. Yeah, a lot of uh, uh, practices, some of them are uh, overtly religious uh, like Buddhism or something like that. Some of them are, they're just mental practices, some, some forms of yogas like that. Uh, and the, the, those specific methods are just methods. They, if you, if you practice that method from the wrong motive, it can traffic a negative imagination. It can be, yeah. it can be spiritual, but not yeah. the kind of Holy spiritual. Yeah. Amen. Um, but uh, biblical meditation is about filling the mind, not emptying the mind. It's about setting your mind on something, a manifestation of the Word of God. That's Psalm 1 you just quoted, uh, Joshua 1. He meditates on the Word of God day and night. It's about filling the mind with the Word uh, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, you working with the Holy Spirit to take the images uh, of God's Word manifested into your life and letting that uh, flood your mind, yeah. not empty the mind. Yeah. Are there Christian forms of uh, having the mind at rest? Yes, that's another subject, but it's not necessarily what we're talking about, and it's not what the Scriptures call meditation. Yeah, I think that's important to, to differentiate between the two, and I love the way you're saying it. In most of these carnal just exercises of the mind, it's the emptying of the mind. And, and God didn't create us to empty our minds. He created us to fill and renew our minds. And so meditation is the renewing of the mind. It's the replacing of the worldly and carnal thoughts with God's thoughts, with God's imagery. And that's just a part of the transformation that the believer goes through. So mm -hmm. there is a difference and, uh, and we need to understand and understand the difference. All right, pick up where you, yeah. where you left off. So, um, even in correlation to the, the, that question, like that's what we were doing is getting our imagination set. 
And sometimes the facts of this reality didn't line up to that. Right. And that can be very discouraging for people. And we just had to set our discipline that was a discipline of the mind that no, like we might not have seen it manifest fully yet, but I kept saying like, they'll see what we see. Yeah. They will see it. Those tests will, they'll eventually see yeah. it. I don't need them to see it right now. If they don't, okay, I, I wish they would. I Amen. wish those tests would line up right now, but they will. And, and let me encourage you too, if, you, if, if, if these are like pieces of the puzzle that we're trying to communicate in our testimonial and in the word of God, this is what worship does. Part of the purpose of worship is to, is to develop intimacy with God, our personal relationship with, with the Lord. But it's in worship that we all come into the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. And in worship, we're declaring God's, God's word. We're declaring his promises. And that's a part of our faith of speaking. We don't just say it. Meditation, if you look the word meditation up, let's go back to that quickly. But if you look meditation up, it literally means to see, to imagine, and to mutter. Uh, you're speaking yeah. in meditation God's promise. You're speaking God's word. Even in worship, you need to be meditating. You yeah. need to be seeing something. Mm -hmm. uh, God's plan in God's word. Yeah, that's one of the definitions of uh, uh, the Hebrew word uh, for sometimes translated meditation. There's a couple different Hebrew words used for mind and meditation, but the word for meditation is hagav. It's used uh, of what a dove does in the nest, that like that, mm. or what a bear does uh, over its meal, like the growling. So it's a muttering. Huh. Uh, and uh, what it is is your, the word of God is supposed to be in not just in your mind, but in your mouth. Uh, and there's there's a really cool little thing that like it, it it honestly cleanses your mind and transforms your mind when you read the word of God out loud. Um, or in a lot of sense, pray the word of God out loud. You know, your, your, your mind has to take these words and formulate them into syllables. So your mind has to process it that way. Then it has to process your vocal cords saying them. Then your ears hear them said. And so it's like this wash cycle uh, of yeah, the word. And that's so that's good. part of the reason why we pray the word of God, because it's in a sense where we're bringing the word of God to the Lord and letting it wash our minds. Yeah. Uh, and, and that would be critical to what, what we were saying earlier in what you said, that we're not making stuff up in our imagination. Right. We're, not, we're not like pretending. Right. It's, it's what is the will of God? Because right. we pray, your will be done. Right. Uh, it's First John 5, uh, verse uh, 13 and 14, or 14, 14, and 15, and 15. 14 and 15. If we have this confidence yeah. that if we ask anything according to the will of God, according to God's will, we know that he hears us and we have what we ask. So, so what is God's will? That's where you have to know the word of God. God's will is that my son will be is, is completely, totally healthy and whole. And what are the images that is the manifestation of that reality. The, the, the faith that's in Romans uh, that talks about Abraham, that he hoped against what would naturally be hope. He hoped declaring the end from the beginning, that yeah. like God declares the end from the beginning. So what is the end for my son that is in alignment with God's will? It is him walking and talking. It's him being healthy and whole. That's the image we're nurturing. And then when the facts of this reality say, Oh, I see a little bit here. I see a little bit there. 
okay, we know that that mountain hasn't been removed yet. We're going to keep speaking to it. Right. And I'm not going to let those words dictate to me the faith that we have. And we're going to see it. Amen. We're going to see it manifest. I got a video from, from you or Hannah of him riding a, a bicycle. The kid taught himself to ride a bike. Yeah. And I mean, that's just amazing. How old was he? Four. Four. He's four years old and he taught himself without training wheels to ride a bicycle. So that, that speaks of his coordination. It speaks of his healing. Yeah. All right, let's go to Robert in, in Florida. Uh, what question do you have for us today, Robert? Thank you for calling. Okay, I'm not pick. Okay. Uh, do I need to just go ahead? Uh, Robert had a question. He had, a, he had a question about Colossians 2, 6 through 7. Uh, so can you elaborate a little on yeah. uh, that, that passage of scriptures in connection to what we're right. talking about? Because uh, it does deal with yeah, prayer. Yeah, that's where, therefore, as we, as we have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. We receive him by grace through faith, so walk in him. So now as we initiated our relationship with the Lord, we walk in our relationship with the Lord. Then it says, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, just as we were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So I'd say, like, what does that look like in my life? What does it look like for my life to be rooted in Jesus, built up in Jesus? Well, it's by grace through faith. So not what I've done, but what Jesus has done for me and faith appropriating that. Now, what does that look like in my life? Well, it looks like physical healing. It looks like emotional wholeness and health. Uh, it looks like peace in my relationships. And we like if our marriage is in tension. Well, what does God's kingdom coming in our marriage look like? It looks like peace. God's kingdom, Romans fourteen seventeen, is in righteousness, peace, and joy that's in the Holy Spirit. So, whatever is of righteousness, peace, and joy, what does that look like? And then how do I imagine that? And then Thanksgiving, what does my life look like as a sacrifice of gratitude and Thanksgiving? Excellent. Excellent. All right. We have Miss G from Michigan. Thank you so much for, for calling. Uh, what is your question for us today? Yes, I, I just would like to know if the prayer that uh, Jacob wrote out is available uh, to I would love to have a copy of it if it's available. Yeah, it 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 is. I'll let him uh, uh, explain how to get it. Uh, he's posted it at many different places. I mean, during the time of this, I mean, we were getting literally hundreds of requests for this prayer uh, because it. I believe it was anointed. I believe God gave it to us, gave it to him, but for us as a church, for me even as a papa. Uh, on praying. And so we all prayed it together, not as a vain repetition again, but as a rhythm and a language of our faith toward God. So uh, Jacob, how could Miss G or anybody else get that prayer? Uh, where do we have it posted or do we? Uh, are you looking it up? It looks yes, like um, uh, uh, modern technology, <laughs> brothers and sisters. Uh, evidently, he can figure out where he posted it. Um, but again, I think you'll be blessed with it. And, yeah. and it's a prayer that was anointed uh, and, and maybe could be used in other people's situations. You know, you can reformat it, but it's, it's really good. So. Yeah, I, I designed the prayer to have like a fill in the blank type uh, usage to where the mountains that you're praying 
can be filled in uh, and the names refilled. Um, so probably the easiest way uh, to, uh, to get that prayer is if you'll go to my website, uh, jacobsheriff.com, and uh, go to the blog part uh, and just type in Urias, uh, or you can type in prayer. And um, yeah, you might have to spell Urias. Yeah, Urias might be work. a little uh, difficult. U R I A S. That's what we we we've been asking Urias, who's in kindergarten now. Uh, Rias, how do you spell your name? U R I A S. U R I A S. So uh, if you go to my website's up on the screen, jacobsheriff.com, and the blog and search prayer or Urias, uh, a couple links will come up. One of them is prayer liturgies. Uh, those are written prayers that I've either compiled or written, and one of them is Urias's prayer. Uh, so jacobsheriff.com, go to the blog section, type in prayer or Urias's name, U-R-I-A-S, uh, and there'll be a couple posts uh, there that you can get the prayer. Praise God. We're going to be, uh, and we're looking at uh, distributing uh, those those prayer books that Jacob has written uh, on our broadcast, Grace and Truth broadcast. I'm teaching on prayer uh, even as we speak, and we want to make those available just to help people again with some models, with some structure. Uh, I, I, If I was ever out of balance, I came up under such legalism I swing way over here, you know, staying away from legalism, and now I've come back more center in these models. Well, we're running out of time. We had a great day today. I hope this was encouraging for you, uh, seeing God work and how practically it works. And so I hope it's been a blessing for you. Thanks for being a part of Truth and Liberty. Pray about being a partner with Truth and Liberty, and I look forward to seeing you soon again. Uh, God bless you. And, and call the prayer line. You'll be blessed. Thank you for joining today's Truth and Liberty livecast. You can watch today's and past livecasts in our archives at truthandliberty.net. Our goal is to educate Christians and connect them with resources and organizations to help them impact their sphere of influence. You can help us accomplish this by making a donation at truthandliberty.net slash donate. Join us next time for more Truth and Liberty.